Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast, episode 74 today. I'm going to go through with you a specific function of grammar first, which is to do with negating or um, denying uh, something. It's just basically saying no to something or don't to something. Now, we don't use boring words like adverbs uh, in the uh, Mandarin Blueprint method. We usually just translate from the Chinese version of the word, uh, which is usually much more logical and direct and really speaks to the essence of the word, which is kind of a cool characteristic of Chinese. But in this case, um, although the word is accurate, it's still a little bit boring. The word for um, adverb in Chinese is and this really means something like subsidiary word or auxiliary word, which is rather posh and rather high level stuff. And um, we prefer the much more simple translation of how does what? So does what is, of course, verb. That's what we call a verb. It does what? The action and the how is how that verb or how that action takes place. And that's what an adverb does. And we think we like to use this sort of caveman, really simple way of talking about grammar because grammar is tough enough and boring enough. And, you know, we don't want to make it any more boring than it needs to be, right? So without further ado, let's talk about the first... Uh, the first kind of adverb that we have, denial, how to deny stuff, how to negate things in Chinese. So what you can see here is the tag system for our flashcards. So if you want to find example sentences for specifically these functions in the Mandarin Blueprint method, all you have to do is go into your flashcards and click this tag and you can access it immediately. So you can access all of the sentences at your disposal that contain anything to do with denying or any of the other five uh, adverb functions in Chinese. So let's look at the first sentence. This is really basic. You just take the very common character and word bu and you just put it before a verb or an adjective and it just negates that thing. So here's the example sentence. 我说话, okay. I speak, but my son does not speak. So that's pretty basic, right? To put bull in, in front of stuff. Let's have a look at another one. So this sentence, let's just go through it first and I'll explain what you're looking at. So here we go. 儿子总是记不住我说的话儿子 my son or son as the Chinese say. They don't say my son, they can just say son. 总是 always 记不住 can't remember 我说的话 what I said. So let's look at that 记不住 part. So First thing I want to point out is that in these structures, when the bu or the de is the positive version, is in the middle, it's always fifth tone. So it's it's not ji bu zhu, it's ji bu zhu. So the bu is a fifth tone. Um, so the ji part is literally about remembering, and the zhu at the end is the result of remembering. And the zhu, I guess the best translation in this context would be to set in place, to fix, and to stay there. So you, when you remember something, the result that you want is for it to stay where it is, right, in your memory. But if you say 记不住, then the result of setting in place cannot be achieved by remembering it. So it's saying he can't remember the things I said. Now, how would you say he can remember the things I said? You just replace the 不 with a 的. So it's 记得住. 记得住. So this is a really common structure in Chinese, this uh, something bu something, so verb something result or verb de result. Really, 
you'll see it very often, you'll be using it and hearing it all the time. Uh, so let's look at another example sentence for it. I can't find, I can't find my bag. So this time you're saying right? Zhao is the action of finding, the verb of looking rather, and Dao, uh, in this case the Dao would be literally arrive, but it's, it's used in the context of achieved, basically. I've, I haven't achieved the verb that I set out to achieve. So how would you say, I can find my bag? Like, maybe you're trying to encourage that person. It's like, no worries, you can find it. Ni zhao da You'd add the de on the end, uh, meaning something to do with the future. But zhao de dao would be the opposite. So let's have a look at another different way we can negate things. This time we're going to look into how to negate the past. Now, if you've been on the podcast for a while or you've been on the uh, you've been on our course, and you've watched a few of our videos, you've probably seen some examples of how to negate the past. And we never use bu when we're negating the past or denying the past. What do we use? That's right, we use mei or mei you. Check out this example sentence. 我吃了,但是我的儿子没吃。我吃了 is I ate, 但是,but我的儿子没有吃 My son didn't eat. So you notice in this sentence I have 有. So the full version is 没有吃, didn't eat or hasn't eaten, depending on the context. Uh, Chinese is very contextual. But mei yo, the yo can be dropped. You don't have to have that yo in there. And to be honest, most of the time you'll, that's what will happen because it's just how people speak in a native way, isn't it? Like you don't say, I don't know. You say, I don't know. You don't even say, I don't know. You say, I don't know. You make a noise, basically. Um, people do that. They shorten things, right? So, um, is probably the most common version. Let's have a look at another one. This one is... 我儿子没有手机，不过我有手机。And sorry, I don't mean to be sexist here, always talking about 儿子, but you know that is the words that we've unlocked at this point in the course. Earlier on, we haven't unlocked new R yet, daughter. So um, apologies for that. <laughs> 我儿子没有手机, my son doesn't have a 手机, a phone. 不过, but that's another way of saying but. Another softer way of saying but is 不过. 我有手机. Okay, my son doesn't have one, but I do. Right, so those are the basic ones sorted. We've got bu, we've got mei, and we've got that really useful structure of verb, bu, result, right? And there's one more I want to talk about. Uh, well, two actually, but they're both sort of very, very similar, uh, which is how to tell someone not to do something. Don't blah, 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 okay? So this one is, well, the, the most common and the most colloquial way, like the most sort of kouyu way, uh, as they would say, spoken would be bie. That's how to say don't do something. Bie zou, deng deng wo. So this would be a good example sentence of that. Bie zou, don't go. Like this doesn't literally mean don't walk. I guess it could <clears throat> mean don't walk literally um, in some context, but usually zou as in don't go or don't leave. Bie zou. Uh, wait for me. And that dung dung, by the way, the, the the repetitive sort of duplicated dung dung is just to make it sound nicer rather than just a, a very direct order. Don't wait. You know, sorry, don't go, wait for me. 
So really the translation should be, wait for me a sec. Wait for me if you wouldn't mind. You know, it's like, don't know what. Uh, so anyway, but that's not what we're talking about. I get, dis I, I get distracted easily, don't I? Um, so biezo. Um, and often you'll hear Chinese people just say, bie, 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 like <laughs> really quickly as well. Bie, 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 bie. Uh, and when, I don't know, you're trying to give them something and they're trying to say, don't give me that thing. Um, uh, that's just something really common you'll get. Uh, but yeah, this is the most basic way of using it. And then next we have sort of what I, what I consider to be just the longer version of this, the very slightly more formal version of beer, which is, yeah, it's, it's, I guess formal is the wrong way. It's not necessarily more formal, but it's, it's more direct. It's more like saying, uh, not direct. It's like you're, you're spelling something out that's quite, maybe quite important. Okay. Um, it's not so. It's not so blasé. So let's have a look at this one. 你不要只关心自己. Let's do that slower. 你不要只关心自己. So you don't, or rather, just don't just guanxin yourself. Don't just care about yourself. 你不要只关心自己. Now this 不要, of course, you would have seen before if you're on the course. Uh, the most basic usage of it is don't want. So someone asks if you yao something, do you want this? You say, I don't want that. Um, but this is another way of using it, and it means don't do something. So that's about it for negation, guys. Have another look at these uh, tags and go ahead and check out your example sentences in your flashcards. Click on some, have a little look. You don't need to go and review them, but just if you're curious, you can see just how many sentences at your disposal at your disposal contain these various different uh, how, does, what, or adverb tags, if you want to go the boring grammatical word. Um, so that's about it for today on the uh, negation. Uh, let's move on. Now, as for updates this week, uh, the coronavirus is still around. Of course, it's still doing its thing. It doesn't really bother me that much. I'm just at home with my wife. Uh, luckily, she she likes to cook and we're just staying indoors. And as we walk around, we're getting randomly tested for our temperature with a little temperature gun. <laughs> People are just like, hey, you. And they'll just stick a, a temperature thing on in my head, this like gun shaped thing. It's quite funny. Um, so, but yeah, just wearing my mask, you know, who, you know, I'm just doing it. I, I don't know how Chengdu's doing exactly for it. I don't know how much have been blown out of proportion about this whole thing, but I'm mainly doing it to make my wife chill out <laughs> and also just, you know, uh, just to make everyone else not not be concerned as well. Because as, as, as soon as they see someone without a mask, they're like, you know, they get worried. So I don't want to concern, make people concerned. So I'm, I'm, I'm just doing that. I'm just doing my thing, just working all day and uh, yeah, I don't go out much any, anyway, so it has not really made that much of a difference, like I said. So that is the update on that on that thing. I hope it doesn't get too much more restrictive. There's been a lot of restrictions happening, you know, uh, moving around certain places, um, people coming in and out of um, apartment complexes is more difficult. Uh, but yeah, other than that, all good. All good, really. Uh, course updates, yeah. We're just we've got the expansion out is now uh, is out now rather, and uh, we're working on getting your uh, we're working on getting the course out to more people at the moment, uh, and just correcting any issues that we're finding and trying to improve it even better. Improve it even better. There you go. 
What a way with words. Um, and that's about it, really, guys. Nothing more to report on there. Which I'm just trying to, you know, just uh, keep everything going. Uh, Phil, of course, is is left me. He's fled the country in fear of the. <laughs> nah, he's he's alright. He's he's not he's he's not worried about the disease itself that much. It's just it's just worried about how people are going to restrict the the where he is and his life and stuff. He doesn't he doesn't have a wife to cook for him, so it's big. <laughs> uh, it's much more preferable for him to go go off somewhere else and uh, somewhere warmer as well so uh but other than that yeah we're just keeping things going not much to report on as of yet uh but i will keep you updated guys if anything does happen but don't worry we're all good we're getting lots of nice emails from you guys uh we've got a bunch of emails like, are you guys okay so, yes we're fine we're fine uh all right so let's get into the questions for this week some emails and questions that we've had as usual we had a bunch and it's awesome and i'm going to jump into them right now so the first question uh, is a, I guess it's a grammar question. Um, oh no, it's, it's more of a pronunciation question, sorry. So Tom says, um, do you have any tips for how to remember when a character is pronounced fifth tone in a compound word? So far, I've picked it up eventually with Anki, but given that I'm just trying to remember by rote, I'm concerned I might forget. Uh, I've never bothered personally. Like, you know, you know what we're like, we come up with a mnemonic for everything, right? Um, uh, but for me, it's just been repetitive practice and input and practice and input and practice. And it, it just sort of comes together. Um, it's kind of like, how you know, you know the characters, but there's uh, every now and then the character will have a different pronunciation. It sort of throws you a curveball, but you get used to it with enough. Uh, you, you could go and make a mnemonic device, right? Uh, and once you use the course for a little bit longer, you should be able to easily... Uh, figure out how to do that. Uh, I haven't thought of anything beforehand. Maybe I should have thought of an example of a mnemonic <laughs> to give you uh, to remember. But I, usually if you listen enough and you consume the language's audio and pronunciation and you shadow audio, which is like speaking along with it and stuff like that, it, it would just naturally seep in. Uh, so you won't have to worry too much about it. The next comment is from Rick and he asks something in relation to Yo-Yo Chinese. He says, uh, on Yo Chinese, she says shuo hua, as in to speak. So it's literally speak, speech. <laughs> shuo is speak and speech is hua. Uh, is, a default, is a default object verb. Shuo always, shuo always always needs an object. And if there's nothing specific, then one should say shuo hua. Agree? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, shuo hua. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't think of an example off the top of my head where you would just say shuo, uh, and Yo-Yo really knows her stuff when it comes to uh, grammar as well, and so she is de genuinely a, a trusted resource. Um, Rick Angelanders again on uh, Chinese isn't the hardest language in the world if you do this. He says, OMG, I was watching a Chinese drama episode tonight and was able to read several whole sentences of several characters. Awesome. Yes, I love that feeling. It's, it's great, isn't it? I watched this. Uh, well, I guess it's, I mean, I've been doing it for years now, but like, it's, it's still cool every now and then, like watching that when you sort of realize it, watching a Korean movie last night, which turned out to be really rubbish at the end, uh, kind of a waste of time. But it was really good at first. And uh, it was all obviously in Korean with just Chinese subtitles. I'm sitting there watching it and every now and then you're like this is cool I'm not, <laughs> I'm not using English at all you know it's nice even when you've been doing it for years it's still kind of cool 
Um, so enjoy that. But especially when you're starting out, you know, and you first start to notice those first few sentences and uh, not everything is just random squiggles. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Next question is from Rebecca. She asked a question about da bao, which means uh, to take away, um, like to pack up a, uh, some food. And uh, she asks, so is the usage for more than just bringing leftovers home from a restaurant meal? Is it also used when you order a meal to go at a fast food outlet? And the answer is yes. So when the most common way, I guess, would be to, you know, like you say, you're in a restaurant, you have some leftover food, you want to take it home uh, and you say da bao. That bao, make it into a bao, a bag, uh, pack it up. But you can also just go into a restaurant and da bao something. You can order order it and then they cook it and immediately pack it up and you take it away. Uh, but it doesn't work when you call them up though. When you call them up and you're ordering food and they bring it to you, that's why my that's different. Um, but yes, that's how it's used. Okay, the next one we have uh, Rick again. And uh, he asks a question about Ming which means bright, but it, when used in the context, or he was asking about used in the context of Ming Nian, and of course Ming Tian, which is tomorrow and next year. Uh, so let's have a look. Are there ins and outs of Ming Nian beyond a bright future? I would be interested in any anecdotes, uh, how, uh, as any anecdote, anecdotes help to make the word more vivid in my memory, even if they're complicated or roundabout. Well, um, I actually asked my... Uh, mother and father-in-law about this because like I said before on the podcast they they are like scholars they, they really know their stuff um, my father-in-law is like an expert in ancient Chinese he can read and write ancient like Jaguan stuff is crazy um, and uh, my mother-in-law is an editor for a newspaper for a magazine um, so they said <laughs> that Ming in this context literally means diarga means second, the second, as in first, second. And that's it. When, and it's only in the context of Ming Nian and Ming Tian, and that's it. In that context, it just means that. And I was like, so it doesn't have anything like historical connection to bright, uh, like this, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some connection between the second and bright, and they didn't know. I mean, I'm not saying that, so therefore it doesn't exist, but they didn't know. And if they don't know, I mean, I'm literally going to have to go to, you know, a, a, a national library in Beijing and figure it out. <laughs> That's how smart these guys are. So um, I'll just double check my mess, their message for me, uh, to me, uh, just to make sure I haven't missed anything. I just double checked and uh, no, that's pretty much it. They're just saying, that's how they conceptualize tomorrow and next year. So Ming, only in the context when it's a compound word combined with tian or uh, nian does it have the meaning of diarga, literally second, not future or um, next or anything like that. It's specifically, it means the second or second. But if you separated the two characters, ming means bright and clear. It does not have the meaning of the second anymore, only when combined with these two other characters. Um, so the way they conceptualize it again is just um, Ming Nian is Jin uh, Nian, like this year, the Diar Nian. Like, so it's the second year of this year. That's just how they, that's how they verbalized it to me. And that, that, that's how they say that Chinese people conceptualize the whole next year or tomorrow concept. All right. So I hope that's clear enough. 
I still feel like I haven't quite got my head around it, but um, that's that's the basics. And another one from Rick, he says, um, hey guys, I wouldn't go so far as to say that Chinese words are logical, which is what we do say, to be fair. We say that Chinese words are way more logical than English uh, in how they are structured. If logic is about consistency and inevitable conclusions, but I would say that they are vivid, meaningful, and memorable. Hmm. There are many possible solutions for how something could be named, and even for some of the words we've learned so far, such as mingnian, are hardly logical. No one would be able to guess that's the Chinese word for next year. Maybe you're right. Maybe uh, the word, just purely saying that Chinese words are logical, is is not the, the most accurate way to say it. They're certainly more logical than English words because they're more consistent over 5,000 years. They have still maintained, or not all of, of course, all characters we use today are 5,000 years old, but the language in general is very old and it's very consistent over all these years. But then, of course, there are some gaps and some confusing things, uh, some things that aren't logical anymore. But I think one way, a better way of saying it is, first of all, they are... Chinese words are definitely more logical than English. Um, you know, like, what is the word would in English? Like, W-O-U-L-D. The word would has no... The only, that comes from, like, a, dis, a deformed version of uh, the Norwegian word. So, we're, we're, you know, it's no, there's no sense to it other than that's what it is, you know. And the, to make out the sense of it, why we say would for would... Um, it would take a long, you know, take a lot of effort and time. And then, of course, you have some words that are just Old English, some words that are Greek, some words that are um, Latin, and, and it's, it's, it's just a hodgepodge, right? Um, so, and the, the English words are logical as if you have enough deep, obscure knowledge about morphemes in English and how they're structured and stuff. So overall, I would say, yeah, Chinese words are overall still more logical. But on top of that, the more important thing is it's a logic that the average learner has access to. Because two characters are there, you know what the characters mean, and they go to and both characters, both, uh, or if it usually is two, right? But of course, it can be more or less. But let's say it's two, you know, these two characters meanings. Uh, and so the you have much more chance of seeing how they connect to each other and the logic but here's the cool thing like you you also mentioned this which is that they're much more vivid meaningful and memorable right which is absolutely true um because even if that logic doesn't exist or you can't see it because you don't have enough knowledge or maybe you don't you know one meaning of a character but you don't maybe it has like 10 meanings or five meanings and one of those other meanings is what it's applying in that compound word. So you can't see that logic of the real word structure. But perhaps because the characters are so vivid and visual, especially with the method that we use, the hands and move method to learn them, you can easily create a meaning that maybe wasn't supposed to be there to learn the word. You know, so uh, for example, shuoming uh, is a word that means explain. Shuo ming. So, uh, shuo is speak and ming is clear. Right? Shuo ming. And so, I spoke until it was clear. That's apparently the actual structure. That's why that was, it's a verb result structure. But maybe you didn't know that. Maybe, maybe you just thought, oh, you can just easily, you got the, the idea of speak and the idea of clear or bright, rather, 
is there. So maybe you can imagine someone speaking to someone and then a bright light bulb goes off on their head and that mnemonic is, is uh, sorry, more than enough uh, to, do, to make the, yeah. So Chinese has that. But yeah, maybe in future, I might word it a little bit different to be, to be not just like they're logical, but they're also more vivid and clearer. And they're, they're much more, it's far more easy to make mnemonic devices with Chinese words because they essentially have their own built-in mnemonic devices anyway, right? These characters provide really clear chunks of meaning that you can work with and play around with. And each one of these characters has multiple meanings, or most of them do, um, in different contexts. So it gives you so much to work with. So yeah, uh, I, I, I see your point. I see your point. All right, next one, we've got uh, Chris on new vocabulary unlocked for 吃饱, which means to eat until you are full. So 吃饱了吗? Are you full? He says, in the sentence 吃一个面包饱不了, character 了 is pronounced 了. When do we use that pronunciation? So it's really interesting that you brought up this question this week because I just spoke about um, that verb result thing with 不 and 的, right? So, you know, like... Uh, like that is saying that I couldn't achieve the action. Well, that's what 不了, uh, sorry, 不了 does. Uh, so you add 不了, like fourth tone, second tone, 不了 on the end of a verb, and it's saying you can't do that thing. Okay, so it's like saying 不到 or um, 不找, right, is another way of saying it. So let's look at this example sentence. A very, very common uh, sort of fixed phrase with 不了 is 受不了 or 受不了. It's like show is like jie show. It's like I can't like to take to stand something. And um, buliao is obviously saying you can't stand something. So show buliao. Let's have a look. I can't I can't handle. I can't stand you scolding me. That's a sentence from level 26 of our course. You know, so that's uh that's one. Uh you could say as well, I can't eat that thing. Maybe I can't afford it, or well, no, probably more like um, it's too gross or something like that. Or I'm a vegetarian and that's a steak. Or triple out. Um, or in this context, what well, bao is like to be full. Bao is I can't get full from eating that thing, right? So it's really straightforward. And of course, you can switch out the bu for the, and it will be I can achieve that thing. The liao. So this is kind of like a uh, one size fits all kind of uh, structure to say that you can or can't achieve something. So, bao de liao or shou de liao. You know, I can handle it. I can get full from that thing, right? Um, and there are a couple other uses for liao as well, but they're quite advanced. But this is the most common one. Okay, so let's do the next question. Rick says, by the way, the sample sentences are really useful in terms of x plus one plus one that's um a concept i should just if you don't know that's a concept i believe that was invented or introduced by um dr stephen Krashen. it's the idea of you want x is your level and plus one is slightly above your level right so you want to consume information and media that is slightly too difficult for you so that it gives you a challenge not too boring but also you can learn new words by input naturally uh, so you don't want it like plus 10 because that's boring and difficult and mind-numbing. That's intensive. But you want something more extensive, like, for example, 98% comprehension, which is what we aim for 
through our course. Um, so he says, many of them we can read, the sentences, many of them we can read with the characters we have studied. Yes, uh, some are gently introducing some new common words which we don't, won't be quite so familiar, uh, which won't be quite so familiar when we actually study it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think you meant won't be so unfamiliar. Yeah, so the that, and that's the whole idea of the course. We we wrote these sentences, or what, rather, we got our Chinese uh, writers to, and uh, we directed them to write the sentences with a fixed amount of vocabulary, which is why some of them might come across as a little bit unnatural at first in the early stages because we have so little vocabulary to work with. You know, we talk about my son scolded me and stuff like that. And it sounds a bit it's like, why do you keep scolding your son? Why do you keep using that in example sentences? Do you not like your son or something you're projecting? No, um, it's just because we have little to work with, right? But after, after, of course, this gets less and less of a, an issue and it's hardly an issue at all anyway, but I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so the idea is that we want to have at least, not at least, but uh, possibly every every few sentences has one or two top-down words, words that you haven't learned the characters for yet, but they're really common and you should know these words um, so that it's not, it's it's more like 98% or more like 90% comprehension in some cases. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you noticed that, Rick. And that's the idea. That's exactly why we did it. Okay, another question from Tom. Uh, he's got a suggestion for people at the end of level 12. So he's making great progress. He says, just a suggestion for people like me who don't have much of a visual imagination. I was trying to figure out why I was forgetting certain actors, like close family members. Actors are people that we use to remember the pinion initials to learn characters using our mnemonic visualization, uh, memory palace technique, the hands up movie method. Uh, he says, I was trying to figure out why I was forgetting certain actors like close family members who are really familiar with to me and remembering others that weren't. And I realized that the thing that was helping me remember the actors wasn't their faces, which I can't really picture at all. It was their behavior. I was remembering celebrities that I don't even know that, that well because I, was a, I assigned a distinctive personality to them and could remember how they were acting in a scene, even though I couldn't really picture what they looked like. Hopefully, this, this might help other people who have trouble picturing details or faces. Yes, get your people to act in the way they are, speak, dress in the way they are. And it's not just about their faces. That's exactly right. And we're always talking about bringing out the pers the personality traits uh, and things that make pe the people you know stand out, bringing that out in your movie scenes if you can and using that to your advantage. Fantastic. All right, we've got another question from uh, Matthews. Uh, he says, what is the difference between 差不多 and 左右? Well, in the basic sense, nothing in terms of meaning, okay? So 差不多 and 左右, when used in that way of meaning roughly or roundabout, uh, they're exactly the same meaning, but they're just used, one's used before the verb and one's used after. Well, sorry, one's used before the number or the noun I guess that you're describing and one's used before. So let's look at example sentences. Here's one from level 13. I roughly or around 7.30 got up out of bed. So you'd say comes before the time or the number or you know whatever it is you're saying is rough uh, is, is an approximate figure. I got up, roughly got up at seven, 
But with zuoyou, you could say exactly the same thing, but you just put zuoyou after the time. 我七点半左右起床. And that's it. Now, there are different ways you can use 差不多 as well, uh, which is a bit more advanced. But in this context of saying roughly this thing, uh, that's the only difference between that and 左右. Okay, another question from Rick. Lots of questions this week from Rick. Awesome. Um, he says, is it okay to streamline or cut corners in the props sometimes? I just want my actor in the location holding up a credit card facing up and then facing down, showing the top and then showing the bottom. I mean, so let me just give some context for this. So th he's talking about making the word, the character ka, which means card, usually a credit card or something. Um, and it's made up of the props for down or below and the props for above next to it um, and you know it's it's a very simple character it's very early on but I would say you're going to be using these props you know relatively commonly and you know if it's good to get used to the method uh, but if you already know the method you already know the character that's fine you, I guess you can you can do that you can take a, a shortcut but I don't recommend it that's that's what I would say I recommend spend that extra 30 seconds one minute or even two minutes and just make uh, use the props in a creative way and uh, you won't ever find yourself you have to worry about being confused about it okay so that's that's just my thought on it I, I don't, honestly don't mind too much uh, whichever you want to do because uh, it's such a, a, a simple character anyway you know it's not maybe not it's, it's not a huge deal the next one we have is from Brian uh, and he asks what does it mean for something to be unvoiced what does it mean for something to be unvoiced well that's referring to the pronunciation um, the pronunciation mastery course when something is unvoiced in terms of pronunciation we're just talking about uh think about beatboxing you know those guys that do beats with their mouth and stuff i'm not going to do it but basically just the or like a p sound like with without any voice without any vibration here so or 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 it's just air sounds yeah so that's unvoiced and voiced would be something like d or B, so it'd be like D or B or N, like an N, right? So that's it. That's the only difference. Next, we have uh, Yasmin, who says, "Wow, I wasn't expecting my short essay to get on the podcast. Thanks for paying attention to my rambling smiley face. You lot are fantastic. Yeah, we like a bit of rambling. Um, and if someone takes the time to share their thoughts on the on the course, uh, we'll most of the time we'll we'll be happy to uh, talk about it on the pod. Awesome." Just called it the pod, aren't I cool? Next, we have uh, Sarah, and she says, Sarah Bardin says, great, I had learned some of these phrases before from an app, but I had no understanding of the individual words or the tone changes, now I understand. I really like all the explanations and the visual cues and the images that accompany the words. They make it easier for me to remember. Well, thanks very much, Sarah, and I'm glad it helps. Uh, yeah, it's, this is the difference between top-down and bottom-up learning, right? So, by the way, Sarah is referring to the Pronunciation Mastery course where we teach every single pronunciation uh, and then give you examples of words and phrases that use those tones. So it's not just repetitive drilling of individual sounds, but it's real-life phrases. I think we teach about 200 words and phrases in total throughout the, the six hours of the course. And... Uh, 
yeah, it's much more interesting. But you, if you see, if you understand, of course, we're not teaching the characters, so that's also an important aspect to it. But once you understand the pronunciation, it adds another deeper layer, which makes it easier to remember. Uh, I forgot this one, actually, uh, from P Petiri, Pe uh, Petiri Nakamura uh, on uh, a lesson within the course. He says, uh, I think it was one of me speaking Chinese on the bench that's at the, right at the beginning, just to you know give people a bit of um, confidence that they can actually achieve it, um, achieve fluency and some sort of competence in the language is actually possible. Possible because with, I don't know what it is about Chinese; it gives people just don't see it as possible. And I I, I get that though. I get it because of the way it's portrayed. But um, anyway, he says. Wow, this is very inspiring, which is great because that's kind of that was the whole point of doing it, and I'm glad that, that actually worked. And I have to comment on how well thought out the whole branding and onboarding process is. Great work. Well, thanks, man. Uh, really, the onboarding process, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an important one. Awesome. So uh, that's it for the messages, the general messages. Let's get into something a bit more specific now. So we want to talk about um, the various uh movies and props that i've decided that we should definitely share this week uh, that have been quite good so uh let's jump into the first one here uh rick on tom york is he says uh make a movie for tao and a couple of people did that uh, did one on this this week uh this character tao means uh to like um to bring out uh to sort of guide out of someone um i can't remember the net the word that we use uh, the keyword uh, Tom York is speaking into a microphone to coax. Oh, yeah, that's the word, coax. Like, you know, come on. Um, is speaking into a microphone to coax a tape measure out that has snaked under the bed in my treehouse. And I, I can imagine that one working really well. So we've got tape measure on the on the right, and then we've got mic megaphone, or microphone rather, on the left. And then uh, he's coaxing it out, sort of like a snake charmer. That's a really cool idea. Uh, Michael Rochford, Rochford, uh, make a movie for Hua. Uh, Hua, Hua, sorry. Um, he says, actor is the Hulk. H-U. Uh, set is Arlington House. Scene is kitchen. Props, halberd and buck knife. Nice. All right, let's see what, what we've got here. He says, angrier than a Hulk. The Hulk is sitting in the kitchen. His foot is propped up on a kitchen chair and he's rubbing a massive blue callus on his big toe. Arranged on the table is a halberd and a buck knife because a file just won't cut it. He takes hold of the halberd and as he brings it to his toe to scrape off, that's what hua is, it means. Or it can also mean to row, but whatever. Um, to scrape off... Uh, the callus in walk, in walks my wife. She looks at him, looks at the halberd, looks at his big toe, looks at the <laughs> at the clean kitchen, and then back at him. In an immediate understanding of what his plans were, you can see a raging wildfire start in her eyes, and she starts to turn red with rage and screams so loudly at him that it knocks the green right off him, and he jumps up and runs as fast as he can out of the kitchen turning into a scared little chicken. Brilliant. Well done, mate. That's a really good one. Um, very, very vivid. That's all I can say about that. And it ticks all the boxes, which is what I like to say. Um, next one is from Belinda Hermawan on Make a Movie for Shang, which means above, as I referred to earlier. She says, and this is made up of a magic wand, uh, and what we recommend is a razor blade or it could be anything, any like a, a uh, straight object. 
Harry Potter fans can use a wand to cast the Wingardium Leviosa spell to levitate a razor blade. Sean Connery's voice sure does resonate in a bathroom. So just a little extra thing there to uh, as a tip for people. Uh, voice. That's a very interesting uh, idea as well because we always talk about like touch. It's not just about the sense of touch. That touch can be divided into uh, many different senses like heat, weight, pressure, all these different types of touch, right? And I guess sound can be identified. Uh, it's, it's got more than one thing to it as well, like resonance, you know, the echoing sort of level of echo of a room. That's another sort of subtle division of a of an aural sense, isn't it? That's very cool. Uh, Ija, make a movie for Gui. Gui, which means to return to or go back to. Actor Gru from Despicable Me. Outside the entrance of my EI set, props are a sword and a pig snout. All right. Gru was angry that, that outside the entrance of my EI set was set, by the way, if you don't know, that is a location. That's how we, how we remember the, fi the finals of the pinion. That's why they're named EI. Um, was blocked. The set was uh, the entrance of his set was blocked by a group of pigs. He screamed for them to go back to where they came from. The pigs didn't budge. He then took a sword and slashed the snout off of one of the pigs and waved it around as a warning. The other pigs were frightened and scurried back to the minion's lair. That's very simple and straightforward and also very hilarious as well. Well done. Um, another one here from... Uh, Tyson for the movie Thor, which means uh, many. Uh, and uh, let's have a look, see how he, how he got it. He was inspired by Chad Wrestler's idea of using the bat as a prop for C. C. Because um, C actually means night or evening. Uh, and I guess that's related to bat. So Chad chose bat for that. He says, I find Darth Vader running around in the front yard of my O set screaming. He's petrified of bats and there are two flying over his head. He's screaming, so many, so many. <laughs> but it's only two, I say. Two is too many. Too many, too many. I agree. Two bats is two bats too many. Um, that's brilliant. Very Again, Tyson always gives very simple scenes, but very, very vivid as well. Uh, well done. Um, and speaking of Chad, we've got a story from him. Uh, make a movie for fun. Fun, uh, the most common usage of it is portion. Uh, like a fun, and then you say like a portion of chips or something, whatever. My, my girlfriend, now wife, well done, and I are hanging out in her backyard having dinner with Chuck Norris and Phil Crimmins, as you do. Uh, Phil is visiting from China. We order Chinese food and we get down to our last portion of rice. Both Phil and Chuck attempt to take the last bowl of rice. I can imagine like a spaghetti western like standoff and then some intense music and close-ups of Phil and Chuck Norris's faces as they're looking at the last portion of rice. Both Phil and Chuck attempt to take the last bowl of rice to settle who gets it. The last portion of rice is set at the end of the table and Chuck and Phil decide to engage in mortal combat. As they stand face to face, suddenly Phil pulls out Qui-Gon Jinn's Qui Jin lightsaber and cuts Norris in half and sits down and eats the last portion of rice. Uh, we're going to hear a reference to that in just a little bit once we get into props, into that how he chose that lightsaber thing. But um, that works very well. 
That works very well indeed. Well done. Um, another one, Petteri Nakamura. He's a maker movie for Ru. Uh, he says, I'm trying to enter the bathroom in my childhood home with Rock. I don't know who that is. Uh, but Rock has found out that there is a sword blade, blade uh, sticking blade diagonally up from the floor next to the toilet seat. And since as an ale, he would rather be tortured to death. I don't know what ale is, but it's very personal, I guess. Uh, something that I haven't seen. Uh, he would rather be tortured to death than touch such a detestable thing. He is guarding the door so no one else can enter either. I pull a ridiculously big banana out and try to hit him unconsciously with it. Uh, hit, oh, sorry, knock him unconscious with it. But he easily blocks the strike and the slippery thing flies from my hand and disappears behind him. There's a squishing sound and as Rock surprised turns to look at the source of the sound, I managed to push past him and enter the bathroom to witness the banana on top of the sword forming the character for enter. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah, so that's really nice. You've also added that in, which um, it makes sure that you're going to remember the positioning of these two components. So, by the way, I didn't mention what character this is. This is for... No, I did, didn't I? I can't remember. But it's for Ru, which is a very specific... It's got like one... The, the banana is sort of on top of the sword, if you like. So he's made that very specifically clear in his... Because it's also very close to Zhen, which is kind of like that or like that, so it's, depending on the font, um, so very good, and, it's, and this is why, with this method of learning characters, we you, you will have no problem, we had a comment about this, I'm not sure if Phil mentioned it on the last podcast, which I haven't managed to watch yet, but um, with this method, very similar characters is, is a problem for, for learners, you know, there are slight differences in length of certain lines, and that's the only difference, but with completely different meanings. But with this method, that's not an issue, you know, or it's much less of an issue um, because everything's so vivid in your mind. It's worth spending that extra time in the beginning to get that, to make sure you don't make those mistakes. Jeffrey Herzog on Make a Movie for Yue, which means moon or meat or uh, month, depending on where it is. He says, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, that's the YU actor, is building a flying samurai sword to the moon to save his country. He puts my two piano students in the the Liang twins, sorry, on the flat part of the blade to act as pilots. That's a pretty cool concept. As he uses the pliers on the last part of the sword, it begins erupting fire like a rocket from the bathroom and flies them to the moon. So I guess the yeah, yeah, that would that would work. You could even show like a little uh, clip at the end of them landing on the moon doesn't have to be in your apartment or house or whatever it could just be them just like plopping on the moon looking around and celebrating I don't know that's just my idea it doesn't not necessary but because obviously if they're just flying into the air but you're assuming that they're going to the moon it, maybe it's not quite clear enough I mean this character is so common uh, that you're not going to have a problem remembering probably but like, I'm just saying as a general concept it's, really, it's a good idea to show clearly the keyword visually um, but yeah, you didn't mention they specifically landed on the moon, so I'm just going to mention it. Our last uh, movie for this week, Kika, has uh, a make a movie for Shang again, which we've already done, but I want to see how Kika handles the same exact character. She says that Sean Connery was in the backyard preparing barbecue with my estranged husband. That's how the A-N-G set is linked to that word, to that uh, person. 
a drone was circling above them uh, quite suspiciously. Look up there, exclaimed my ex-husband. Immediately, Sean uses his magic wand to turn a stake into a giant razor blade. He then threw it at the drone propellers, making the Russian spy drone tumble down. That's great. You added in too many details, I think. You don't, it's nice to have details in there, like making a barbecue, but the barbecue has nothing to do, and the steak has nothing to do with anything in the character. So you're just using, think of your brain as like a, a computer with RAM, right? You don't want to fill up confusing stuff and use extra RAM, because it's, it's taking up space in your scene. Um, and it could possibly distract you from the meanings later. What if you use a, you, you know, you use a stake to remember like a, a prop for another character, right? So I'd say it's a great, it's a fantastic scene, but just just cut out the whole. And you don't need to turn stuff into other stuff. The razor blade is just there. There's no explanation. Doesn't need to have any explanation. Um, don't restrict yourself like that. Yeah. But other than that, fantastic. Well done. Um, all right. So we've just got a few more here that I wanted to go through. Got a couple of um, couple of actors this week, uh, and a few props, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. So the actors we've got this week uh, suggestions is John Grist, uh, casting call for uh, Chu. This is Q, which is our sort of wild card set of actors, which I like to call them now anyway. Um, which we suggest gods, world leaders, or any other distinct category of people. John Grist has gone for leaders, I guess. Which is, Queen's not really a leader, but um, she's certainly somewhere some, in that in that realm, isn't she? Uh, queen Elizabeth or any other queen. Um, I guess you could also just have the royal any anyone from any royal family. Uh, Michael Rochford on Carson Crawford's shoe. He says, "I gave up on gods or world leaders because they just don't pop in my brain." That's why we introduce world leaders actually, because gods are quite hard for a lot of people to imagine. It's like why make someone up when you can just have someone's real reference, you know? Um, I settled on the old lady that lives in a shoe. Uh, I figured she's the leader of that shoe anyway, so I also figured that since I have all my other actors, just this one won't trip me up too bad. Yeah. Yeah, and like there's so few people in this category, there's only six, right? It doesn't really matter, even if they're just random people. Uh, it doesn't really matter if they belong to a specific category or not at the end of the day. It's just to make it slightly easier for new people to clearly categorize them, you know? All right, so thanks for that. Uh, now, we're getting into props. I've got a few here from William Edmedes, as usual. William's found his niche, I think. He's very good at conceptualizing abstract components and forming them into real life 3d objects or props you just got a knack for it um, so we've got a few of his in here today so william admini's on pick a prop for way um, so if you have a look at the show notes you can see this character uh, in more detail or you can actually have it pop up next to me here uh, he says this prop has always reminded me of a sergeant of some sort wearing a hat and pointing in the direction that their subordinates to, should run in, complete with the whistle and strained voice too. Alternatively, it could be a person practicing Tai Chi or karate, perhaps the karate kid. Yes, yeah, so you've based that on the appearance. It's kind of a weird looking character. Like you, A lot of people would look at that and say, oh, it doesn't really look like anything, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I can definitely see that uh, people using that idea. 
Uh, the next one, the next one from William is for pick a prop for whoop, which literally means nothing. So it's quite a tough one for a lot of people. Like, how do I imagine an object to represent nothing? Well, William's got quite a smart idea. He says, nothing by definition is the absence of matter, which is also called a vacuum. But since that's also hard to visualize, I'm going with a vacuum cleaner instead. Brilliant. And I'm immediately thinking of Henry the Hoover, those little Henrys. Awesome. Another good prop idea could be the legendary Tui Jian, the father of Chinese rock for his song, Yi Wu Suoyou. Brilliant. Uh, Pablo Prieri on pick a prop for Zhong, which means heavy. And he just said, an anchor, <laughs> with an exclamation mark. Uh, so that's, that's actually a very good one and very memorable too. And he's very excited about it. I like it. William Edmides on pick a prop for Fu, which means husband. He says, if someone is struggling for ideas for the husband keyword, Maybe thinking of anything to do with husbandry will help. Perhaps a famous farmer or the iconic shepherd's staff. Or I, I'm thinking also of just any farmyard animal would be great. Um, and then Pablo again is coming with a great one for toll, which means head. He says a head tennis racket. It's like one of the most famous brands for tennis, head. Um, just one of those sports brands. So that's, that's really good. Um, Chad's got one for fun, and this is referring to the scene earlier with Phil cutting using Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber. Uh, that character, fun, is made up of fun, uh, which is like a knife, and cutting something. It's very clearly that pictograph, and on the left is a man component. So this is the picker prop for that fun, fun component there. Combining the idea of knife handle and a green glowing force field, um, I went with Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber, which, incidentally, Obi-Wan used to separate separate Darth Maul. That's what this character means. So that's very clever, uh, very memorable, which is pretty much what we want from any prop, isn't it? And then last couple here, Tyson says, pick a prop for tsu, which again is really, it's like, it means this. It's like the formal version of this. So it's like, you know, <laughs> People it could stump people, right? But he just says, from the appearance, a porcupine. And you look at this character, it clearly looks like a spiky thing, doesn't it? That's a great way around that. Uh, and then lastly here, we've got Jack. Pick a prop for two, which means to go. And he says, a urinal for when you really have to go. <laughs> so that's a great one. Thanks so much, guys. It's been um, this week's been really fun uh, to do. I really enjoyed this one. Not that I don't enjoy all of them, but it's been especially good this week. Um, and uh, yeah, I will see you in a couple of weeks. Please contact us at contact or podcast at mandarinblueprint.com if you need anything. Keep your comments coming. If you're not on the course and you've listened to this entire podcast, well, <laughs> you might as well sign up for a seven-day free trial, which you can do uh, on our website, mandarinblueprint.com. All right, guys, thanks very much. I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.